So let's pray together and ask God to meet us in the word. I ask you, Lord, for more of your, your heart for me, uh, love for you, love for us, love for your word. And I, I ask, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit upon us as a church today through your word and that you would encourage and comfort and strengthen and inspire as you work in our hearts through the truth of the scriptures. So would you come now? We love your word. Let us sink our roots deep, just like Sean shared. Let us be bearing fruit. Let us be blessed now because we take this time to pay heed to the scriptures. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, I've told you before that I love to ride my mountain bike. Okay? And, and there's a particular hill right near um, where we live in the IBM Research Park area between you know, Almond and the Santa Teresa areas. And it's a, it's, it's a relatively steep hill. And it's got switchbacks with really sharp turns and a lot of rocky sections all the way. And then at the very top, there's this amazing view that you can look over both sides of the, va- uh, the valley. And for a long time, I just wasn't able to get all the way up that trail without stopping. Uh, either because the turn was too sharp and I felt like I need to get off or, or I'd fall off or because you, know, you hit these rocky patches and it's just too much to get over until you stop and you walk your bike through just because I pooped out, you know, all kinds of different, different reasons. But then one day, I went um, on a bike ride with, with a new friend named Mark. And we were talking about this hill. And he said, oh, I love that hill. Do you love that hill? I said, well, I'd love it if I could make it up all the way. And he goes, he goes, oh, you know, you can. There's no question. You can do this. And he goes, just watch. Watch me. And so he went ahead, and I watched him. And, and he just powered through every sharp turn, just kept going. He muscled his way up through the rocky sections, and he just kind of kept going all the way to the top. And so I thought, okay, let's give this a shot. He's just showed me it's possible. And, and so I was in no better shape than at any time previous. The only thing that was different was I'd seen that it was possible to do. And so I went ahead, started out, made the first turn. You just kind of kept going. Whoa! Made the second turn, went through a rocky patch, which I almost always had to stop at before, kept going through that all the way to the top. And the, the only thing that was different was that I'd seen that it was possible. Now here's the moral of the story. In the scriptures, we see people regularly coming to know Jesus, meeting the living Jesus daily, Lots and lots of people coming to know Jesus. In the scriptures, we see churches where people are coming to know Jesus and they're sending out teams to plant new churches so more people can come to know the Lord. And we're seeing the gospel filling cities and moving through the whole Roman Empire. We're, that, that's, we're calling that multiplication. The gospel is just multiplying. We're seeing that in the scriptures. But I think if we're honest, most of us don't think multiplication is possible here and now. I would guess most of us, and I'm speaking of me a lot of the time here too, we don't really expect that God's going to use you to see people come to know Jesus. You don't really expect the gospel to multiply in your neighborhood, on your street, right? I'm speaking for me here too. We don't really expect that, that in our home group we're going to see people come to know Christ and leaders raised up and be able to have the, the bittersweet joy of sending some people out to start a new home group so more people can meet Jesus. And we don't really think it's possible for us as a church to be sending out teams of people to plant 
other churches in the South Bay Area to see more people come to know Jesus. I, I think if we're honest, most of us would say we're, we're just not sure that multiplication is possible. We, we don't really feel that. But what I want to show you today from God's word is that multiplication is possible. We've been talking about four rhythms, okay, that, that marked the early church. And these four rhythms, blessed by God, where he pours out his grace in response, but these four rhythms were a lot of the reason why the early church saw their cities filled with the gospel. And the first rhythm is, is faith. And this is where every believer in the early church trusted Jesus, trusted his or her life to Jesus, trusted his promises, wholly trusted themselves to the living Jesus. And the result was joy and peace, love for others, passionate obedience to Jesus Christ. The, the first rhythm is faith. Okay, now this morning I'm going to talk a lot about community and mission and multiplication. But I just felt impressed of the Lord that we needed to camp here on this issue of, of faith for a little while. Uh, because this is the most important. I mean, this is where it has to start. And I would guess that there's probably some of you here this morning who uh, have never come to trust Jesus. And I would guess that there's maybe others of you here this morning You've trusted Jesus in the past, but like right now, there's some burdens that you're carrying that, that you're not trusting to the Lord Jesus. I would guess there may be others of you who have idols in your life that you're trusting more than, than Jesus. I would guess there's maybe others of you who feel kind of weighed down at the thought of, you know, community and mission and multiplication. And, and what, what we all need to rest in is this first rhythm of faith in Jesus, trusting Jesus. Are you trusting the living Jesus Christ? Do you have times regularly, not just at the beginning of your Christian life and then like you graduate on to something else. No, no, no. Faith is the, is the foundation the whole way through. It's the foundational rhythm of the Christian life. And do you know what it is to turn to the living Jesus to cast your cares upon him, to experience him pouring his love into your heart so you know the living Jesus and you're experiencing his forgiveness and you're sensing his presence in your life and your heart is satisfied. Are you trusting Jesus or, or is faith for you just something like, yeah, I really ought to trust more or God's just really distant, Jesus is really out there? I want to urge you this morning to, to rest, and if you hear nothing else today, if you're not trusting Jesus, you can leave here and don't hear anything about community or mission or multiplication. That's totally fine if you'll hear the issue of trusting Jesus this morning. Trust the living Jesus. Jesus Christ is alive today. Came to the earth 2,000 years ago. God in the flesh, it's an astonishing thing, showed us who God was because he was God. He displayed God to us in flesh and blood in history ways. He lived the perfect life we should have lived. He died the horrifying punishment of death that we should have deserved. And he rose from the dead, conquering death and sin and Satan. And he's alive today and you can know him today. You can know him today. Oh, I don't want anybody just to, to be coming to church. Oh, I go to church. Oh, we're glad you go to church. That's not what it's all about. D do you know the living Jesus so that you've, 
you've turned away from the other things you were trusting. Things you were trusting for your identity or things you were trusting for your security. Things you were trusting for your satisfaction. Those things will not give you identity or security or heart satisfaction. Only knowing God in the person of Jesus. And if you turned from those things and trusted your life to Jesus, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior, be my heart satisfier, be my treasure, and you receive him in that way so that you know him. That's what this is all about. Trusting Jesus. And nothing else we're talking about here in terms of these rhythms will happen unless you know what it is to regularly meet the living Jesus and experience him pouring forgiveness out upon you. And experience his love being poured into your heart. And just let your heart be satisfied in knowing him. So this is what it's all about. Okay? So are you hearing me? This is it. And if you're not doing this, then just like turn your mind off to everything else I'm going to say and and focus in on this. Because this is the key issue is trusting Jesus Christ. This is the first rhythm and the lasting rhythm and it's where everything else comes from in the Christian life is trusting Jesus. Do you trust him? Do you know him? Have you had times this last week where he's met you and filled your heart and you you come away with peace and with joy and with fullness because you know you've met the living Jesus? Oh, he is what this is all about. And so trust him right now. Come to trust him. Come back to trusting him. Okay, so we got that one? I just feel like I needed to camp there a little bit, okay? Because it's really easy. Some of us can be overwhelmed by the other things Jesus calls us to do and just say, oh, it's just too much. And then we forget about, oh, that's right, faith. It starts here, and and he'll work these things in us. Or others of us can get so excited about, rah, rah, let's go do this, and we forget about faith. We think we can do it. Okay, both extremes are wrong. Faith. So in the early church, this rhythm of faith then expressed itself at flowed out in community where they loved each other in sacrificial, meaningful ways. Church isn't just going to a, a service. Church means having a group of people that you love and care for, especially that we, we build each other up in trusting Jesus. And so as, as this, at the early church, there's the rhythm of faith and community as they build each other up in trusting Jesus. There's even more joy and peace in knowing Jesus and even more love for each other and even more joyful, delighted obedience to him. And then the rhythm of faith and the rhythm of community results in a rhythm of mission. And that is because you've met the living Jesus and you know the sheer joy of having your sins forgiven and of experiencing his love being poured into your heart and having him meet you and knowing the living God in the person of Jesus. And just like Dave prayed for us earlier, it, it breaks your heart that your neighbor doesn't know Christ. It breaks your heart for the emptiness that he's experiencing today and the eternity that he's going to suffer apart from Christ. And when, when, the, faith, when the, the, the rhythm of faith is working in your heart and community is working in your heart, it will stir you to want to see your neighbors come to know Christ and to see your kids come to know Christ, right? And to see your friends come to know Christ. Your heart will beat with that rhythm and so you will connect with your neighbors and love them, serve them, invite them to a home group barbecue, watch the 49ers game with them, you know, whatever it might be, you'll connect to befriend, to love, to show Jesus by your love, which he pours into your heart, and to share who Jesus is by your words. 
So the rhythm of faith and community and mission then will flow out into multiplication. We can't make any of this happen. But if we will trust Jesus and respond to him as he works in our hearts with community and with mission, we'll see multiplication. And that's where we see lots of people come to know Jesus. I mean, I think that's got to be one of the greatest joys following Jesus is to see someone come to know Christ. Mm. And so we're praying, asking God to do that. And for each home group then to see lots of people come to know Jesus. And then for a home group to send out a team to start another home group in another part of the city so even more people can come to know Jesus. And then for us as a church to send teams of people out into the South Bay area so that even more people can come to know Jesus. This is multiplication. But see, here's the problem. Most of us, I would guess, have never experienced multiplication. There's very, very few churches, large or small in this country, that are experiencing multiplication. More in other countries are. But we've never experienced it. And because you've never experienced it, it's easy over time to settle for no multiplication and to kind of think, well, this is the norm, is to not have multiplication. And then you can start to think it's never going to happen. It's not possible. So what I want to encourage you with today is we can't settle for no multiplication. We can't settle for that. For the glory of Jesus and for, the, for our love for people who don't know him yet, we have to press on and ask him to do this and, and pursue this the way he tells us in the word. So I want to show you, first of all, that multiplication is possible. Okay? Two passages in scripture. Let's get our hands up so we can get some Bibles passed out if you need a Bible. Um, turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 47 is the first one. Go ahead, keep your hands up. We wanna, I'd love you all to have a Bible you can look on with here. Acts 2 is on page 911 in the Bibles we're passing out. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Can we kick that? Oh, good. Thanks, Ian. You are on top of things. Okay, what happens in Acts chapter 2, verse 47 takes place down here in Jerusalem in the year 30 A.D. So Jerusalem, 30 A.D. is the setting for Acts chapter 2, verse 47. And look at what happens in that verse. Here's what Luke tells us about the church, A.D. 30, in Jerusalem. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Okay, now, we know that there were about 3,000 people who came to know Jesus, came into the joy of knowing Jesus on the day of Pentecost, which was just a little bit prior to this. But it didn't stop there. After that, every day, the Lord was bringing more people to come to know Jesus. So on Monday, some people came to know Jesus. right? And on Tuesday, some people came to know Jesus. And on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, some people came to know Jesus. So every day in Jerusalem, the year 30 AD, every day people are coming to know Jesus. Now, look at Acts chapter 16, verse 5, which is page 925 in the Bibles we just passed out. Acts chapter 16, verse 5. This is 18 years later. Okay? The year 48 AD. 18 years later. And this takes place in the region of Syria and Cilicia, which is this whole region here. Okay? You see the word Cilicia right there? They didn't have the word Syria here, but it's this whole region here. So Luke is talking about all the churches that are located in that area of Syria and Cilicia in the year 48 AD, 18 years after Jerusalem, and look at what he says. So the churches 
were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. So this is a whole different geographical area, north of Jerusalem, speaking of a number of churches now, not just one church in Jerusalem, but all the churches in this area, 18 years later, and every day, the Lord is bringing people to faith in Christ in that area of Syria and Cilicia. Now this is not because every one of these churches had apostles in them. None of them did, for all that we know. There's no indication of that at all. Apostles had traveled through, but they were gone. They were out planting churches somewhere else. This is because, as church historians tell us, each, each of the, these churches were full of people who in simple, ordinary, normal ways were living gospel life, living ordinary life with gospel intentionality, loving their neighbors, connecting with their friends, serving people, feeding the poor, caring for people with the love of Christ, showing people, sharing with people who Jesus is. So you've got multiplication, Acts 2, Acts 16, 18 years later. And this didn't just happen in the early church, okay? Let me give you three recent examples from different geographical areas. Home group leaders, you've heard these. We talked about these at one of our Thursday meetings this last summer. These are mind-blowing. I'm glad you're all sitting down. I can hardly believe that these are true, especially this first one. Southeast Asia, 1993, three churches totaling 85 people. Okay, 1993, three churches, 85 people in this particular region. Four years later, those three churches had multiplied to 550 churches with nearly 55,000 people. Southeast Asia. Second example, 1990. This is a region in Latin America. Not quite as dramatic, but plenty dramatic for me. Wow. 1990, region of Latin America, 235 churches. Eight years later, 1998, those 235 churches had become 3,200 churches. Okay, how about something more close to home like Western Europe, a little bit more culturally close to us? I love this one. 1998, a missionary couple had been there in Western Europe working, and they had 15 small churches that they were loving and shepherding and caring for, and they needed to take a six-month sabbatical. They were very concerned about what might happen with these 15 little churches when they left. So they came back to the States, started hearing the, getting these emails. Okay, By month five, I just love this, those 15 little churches that they were concerned about had each planted another church. Now there were 30 little churches, and by month six, each of those 30 churches had at least one team ready to send out to plant another church. Western Europe. One more example that I, I saw with my own eyes and experienced a little bit. Um, summer of 1972, Okay, uh, I was heading into my senior year of high school, and that summer, God powerfully moved upon a couple people in my high school, just really stirred hearts. And this is relatively small compared to these other examples, but it, it, was, it was pretty big as far as I, what I've experienced, very, very big. Um, fall of that senior year, my senior year, in one two-week period, 15 sophomores all came to know Christ. One gang of 15 sophomores. And that fall, 80 Eight zero kids from my high school went to my church's uh, uh, winter retreat. Eighty kids from the high school 
all joined up and went, and a number of them put their trust in Jesus Christ for the first time. And all through that year, every Friday, 50 kids met for Bible study and to worship the Lord Jesus um, at the campus. So I just want to show you that multiplication's possible. We see it in Acts 2, Acts 16. We see it in recent years around the globe. And I want to encourage you not just that it's possible, but it's also promised. I think multiplication is promised. Take a look at uh, two passages. Let's start with this first one, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is the Great Commission. Many of you are very familiar with it. Page 835. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Multiplication is promised. This is in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus' final words before he leaves. Imagine you're one of his disciples. This is the final thing he says, and then he's gone. Imagine the impact it would have had upon you. You love Jesus. You've lived with him for three years. You've watched him heal. You've watched him work miracles. You've watched him be beaten. You've seen him nailed to the cross. You've, you saw him risen from the dead. And your friend, your brother, your God, he's ready to leave. And here's what he says. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Some might think that this was just a command given to the disciples at that time and not to all of us today. But notice again the promise in verse 20. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So the promise isn't just for the disciples, those original disciples who who soon died in the end of the first century, beginning of the second century. The promise goes to the end of the age. And if the promise goes to everybody, all believers to the end of the age, then certainly the command applies to people to the end of the age. So we need to let this rest upon us. Jesus is calling us to go and make disciples of all the nations. I'm going to be talking about the nations next week, unreached people groups, but but notice one thing from this command. Make disciples of all the nations. Part of that means teaching them, in verse 20, to observe all that Jesus has commanded us. Okay, now think about what that means. God's calling me to go and, and, and... pray and love and share so that somebody can come to know Jesus and he's made them into a disciple. And then part of my responsibility is to teach them to observe all that Jesus commanded, right? Which is the scriptures. But that also includes this command here. So part of what I'm called to do is to teach them and train them to go and and help other people come to know Jesus and teach them and train them to help other people come to know Jesus and teach and train them to to help other people come to know Jesus. And so there's multiplication in this text right here. Do you see that? We're not supposed to see people become disciples and be trained simply to, to go to church once or twice a week and, and be you know, good husbands and wives and work faithfully at their jobs, although we are all about all of that. Okay? It's multiplications right here. And I would guess some of you, as you read this Great Commission, you just feel defeated. It's like this, this has never been part of my life. I've been walking with Jesus for years, and this has never been part of my life. Maybe, maybe you've never, never told somebody else about Jesus and shared Jesus with somebody, let alone seeing somebody come to, come to faith in Christ. 
Maybe you just feel like, that's interesting, but like this is just so far from, removed from where I am in my, in my life. But let me encourage you with the promise at the end of verse 20. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The reason we can do that is not because of what we have in us. I read this and I say, I don't have that in me. And that's what you ought to say too, because you don't have this in you either. But it's not about what we have in us, it's about who we have with us. Right? Behold, I will be with you always to the end of the age. Just like Moses. Remember Moses was told by God, go to Pharaoh, and Moses says, I can't talk, I'm not, I'm not eloquent. You know, who am I to go do this? And what's God's answer? I will be with you. That's all Moses needed to hear. And he went and God did it. Remember the, the promise we looked at last week, Mark chapter 1, verse 17. Jesus is calling Simon and Andrew. It's not the call to be apostles. It's the call simply everyday ordinary being a disciple. And he says, follow me and I will make you into a fisher of men. They were not already fishers of men. They were not already people that were gifted to help people come to know Jesus. But Jesus didn't call them to go and do that on their own. He said, you follow me. That's what you do. Follow me. Trust me. Seek me. Pray. Ask me for help. Do what I stir in your heart. Do what I call you to do. You do that. And I will make you into a fisher of men. I find that so freeing. So here's the deal. I feel like Satan can distract us in one of two very different ways. He either lets like passages like the Great Commission defeat you. So you just, oh yeah, I, I feel guilty. I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I'm really feeling guilty and I'm just, I'm getting beat up about this. Okay. That's not right. That's not the right response. Or he makes you think, I can do this. Let's go do this. I can do this. I can do this. I've got this in me. I can do this. Well, that's not how he wants you to respond either. Because you can't. Okay? You, there's something you can do besides just be defeated. And you, you can't do it by yourself. What's the answer? Follow me. Follow me. Faith is the answer. Coming before Jesus. I mean, if you honestly don't care about your neighbor, okay? It's like, I don't really think, at least not care enough to risk making things really awkward in our relationship, okay? What do you do? Well, you don't just grit your teeth. It's not kind of like the the Nike approach to sanctification. Just do it. You come before Jesus and say, I am sorry. There's something amiss. I don't care about whether my neighbor meets you or not. Look at me. Help me. Jesus smiles when you come to him that way. Yes, that I can do. You come to me that way, I will change your heart. I'm too afraid to talk to people about Jesus. Jesus, help me. Yes. See, he will do it. As long as we don't stay in defeat, or as long as we don't move into presumption, he will do it. So multiplication is possible. And deep down inside of you, there is, if you, if you know Jesus, there is this thought that that would be an amazing thing. I would love that. And I just want to tell you, based on the word, if you will follow him in, in the ways the scriptures lay out, you will experience this. You will have the joy of seeing people come to know Christ. Okay, now, how, how might multiplication look? Let, let me share with you how it might be envisioned. I want to talk about just our own individual lives first. Let me just encourage you, three simple daily rhythms. 
I want to make it real simple. You know, keep it simple, right? So here, here it's simple. Think big. What is it? Start small. Think big. Keep it simple. Something like that. Anyway, so, so let me encourage you to take three steps every day. First, faith. Nurture faith in Jesus every day. Take some time where it's just you and the living Jesus. You're not on your way to work. I mean, you can pray on your way to work. That's a good thing. You're not like doing the laundry. You're not, you know, while you're working on the car. This is where everything else is laid aside. And it's some time between you and the living Jesus in the word. And you are casting all your burdens upon him. And you're asking him to meet you. And you're feasting on who he is as revealed in the scripture. And worshiping him. And thanking him. And loving him. And fellowshipping with him. And giving him all your resentments. And your confusions. And your discouragements. And he will meet you. So every day, the rhythm of spending time with Jesus in the word, in prayer, nurturing your faith every day. And second... I would challenge you in terms of pursuing multiplication, and it all starts there, Jesus, I've got to meet you, flowing from that as he pours his love into your heart, you will care about the people in your home group more. Faith works itself out in love, Galatians 5, 6. And so every day, I think this is workable, do one thing that would build the faith of somebody else in your home group. One thing. It might be just to take five minutes and pray for them. That'd be awesome. It might be to send them an email. Wonderful. It might be to call them up. How's it going? Do it. It might be to uh, babysit for them so they can go out on a date night. They'd love that. Okay? Some tangible way every day where you can build the faith of someone in your home group. Now, think of what would happen. I know there's lots of encouragement that's happening in our home groups right now, but I think this would raise the level more. It's my impression. Okay? It would raise the level more. But think of what if everyone in your home group every day was doing something to build the faith of someone else in the home group. Now, that's, that's feasible, isn't it? Oh, actually, before I talk about it, it's feasible. Let's go to the third one. This is maybe even more challenging, but what if every day you did one thing that Jesus could use to help someone come to know him? Every day, one thing. That might be for you just praying, Lord, who do you want me to to befriend or to serve or to love or to care for. Lord, bring somebody across my path whose heart you've prepared that I could share who you are with. So that might be what the step is. Or maybe it's going over and inviting your neighbor to come over for coffee. Just tell me your story. I want to hear your story. Or maybe it's uh, inviting somebody that you know at work to come and join your home group as they go play bocce ball or whatever it might be. But what if every day you did one thing that Jesus could use to help bring someone to faith in Christ. You know, I think this would be very powerful. Every day we're nurturing faith in real, life-changing, heart-transforming ways. Every day, then flowing out of that faith, we care for our home group. Every day we're doing something to build their faith. And every day we're doing one thing to, that Jesus could use to help lead someone to, to faith in Christ. I, I think this is feasible as God gives us grace. Now, don't let this become like kind of like a duty, a dutiful thing. Okay, if you don't want to do these, then go to Jesus and say, I'm sorry, change my heart, help me. And he will totally change your heart and, 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 and lead you and, and make you want to do these things. 
Three rhythms, individual life. Now, we're committed to training you in how to do these things, how to, how to really connect with Jesus by faith, how to build the faith of someone in your home group, how to share Christ with someone in a way that's winsome and, and that's loving and, and, and powerful. We're committed to training you in doing these things in our home groups, not so much by having big classes, but life on life, as you watch your home group leader share Christ with somebody, or as you watch a woman in your home group building up someone else in faith or as, hey, let's get together and seek the Lord together and nurture our faith together. But you can go ahead and get started on your own. Faith, community, and mission. Okay, that's how it looks as, as an individual. That's how multiplication would look for you as an individual. That's my call to you. We're going to come back to that. Okay, let's talk about how a home group might experience multiplication. And here, I want to share these so that you'll get a little bit of a feel of where we as elders and, and as home group leaders are at in terms of where we see things moving as a church, as, as the Lord chooses to bless what we're doing here. Let's talk about home groups. Is everyone in the home group, faith, community, and mission, the result will be multiplication. Okay, your home group's building each other up in faith, reaching out to people who need to come to know Jesus. You'll see many people coming to know Jesus, okay? Can we kick up? Oh, man, you, Ian, you're really on top of it, okay? So here's our present home groups, okay? Can you recognize your home group there? There's the Strausses. Okay, there's the Greg's home group right there. There's the Fuller's. That's at the Yulee's house, right? Yulee's pretty close. You know, we'd travel around, but here's the Hatchers down here. Okay, here's the Ships right here. Here's Dave Clark leading the high school group. Here's the Harnins group. And here's the Henson's group over here. And here's where we meet Sunday mornings. Okay, now, now here's, here's the deal. As people come to know Christ and are drawn into your home group community, this creates a wonderful problem. Okay, it's a wonderful problem, but because as a group gets to be 15, 16 people, it's hard to function anymore with that level of closeness that you were experiencing. And so you pray, and you say, God, raise up leaders, raise up a team of people who've got a common vision for an area in the city where, where we could send them out to go and start a new home group. And this is always bittersweet, right? Because we love each other. We've been together but there's people who need to come to know Christ. There's people who don't know Jesus. And so for Jesus' glory and for the benefit of people out there in the city, we're willing to, to send a team out and start a new home group. And so let's just say, for example, God may raise someone up in your home group, a, a couple who have leadership on them, who have got a real heart for Willow Glen. Okay? And then as you pray together, God maybe stirs a couple other people in your home group who either live in Willow Glen or maybe want to move to Willow Glen or are willing to commute in for a while or whatever, but there's this heart for Willow Glen, and, and look at that, okay? Uh, man, how did you do that? Okay, there's, there's a home group there in Willow Glen. So, so we send them out, and see, the wonder now is that now, now there's a team of people there in that area who are praying for that area of the city, and who are reaching neighbors in that area of the city, and having a home group in close proximity to people in that area of the city, and we've seen this happen here. We want to see it happen a lot more. Okay, so that's how multiplication would look as a home group. Now, how about for us as a church? What would multiplication look like here? It happens by planting churches. Okay, why would we want to plant a church? I mean, there's maybe 100, 150 of us when you include the kids and the cats and the dogs, okay? Um, why would we want to plant a church? Here's why. It's because two churches of 100... Bless more people with the gospel than one church of 200. That's why. It's just, it's, it's always been the case. And so here's how this might look for us. And by the way, as I've mentioned before, the reason I'm excited about multiplication is not because we want to see Mercy Hill Church like become really, really huge. That's not, that's not the deal. I've, I think I've said this before, but like if 10 years from now, 
God has used us by his mercy alone to see like a dozen churches planted in the South Bay area. And I was here preaching to 30 people on Sunday morning. I'd be really, really happy about that. Okay, I I would. Honestly, I would be absolutely just blessed massively. So how might that look? Okay, so we've got a Willow Glen. Wow. What happened? Okay. So Ian's been planning home groups. Man, I love this. But uh, so let's say maybe here's the Strauss's home group and God stirs a group of people to go plant a home group up in here and maybe here's the Greg's home group. You did it, Ian, and, and a group's planted there. And, and then maybe there's one of the leaders of those three groups up in this area really feels like he's called to plant a church. And there's kind of an affinity between those three groups. There's a connectedness and there's a common vision and God is speaking to those leaders and he's speaking to the elders. And I could see us saying, okay, Lord, is this what you want us to do? And then as he confirms, we would, we would plant a church there. Look at that. So, so maybe they would start to meet on a Sunday morning at a school in the area. And, um, and the leader might be bivocational, might be full. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that that can work itself out financially. But see, now the wonder is that, 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 that this, of course, is much more convenient for people in this area than this down here. And maybe these people would, I mean, who knows what could happen in different areas of the city? Sunnyvale, Los Gatos, Eastside, you know, Milpitas, who knows what, what God could do? So that, that's, that's where we're, we're praying that God might, might work. That's what I want to give, give myself to. That's why, that's why we're here. That, that's what's in our hearts. Um, okay, now, I mean, we've gone from individual to home group to church, and, and, Again, I want to come back down to the, that simple issue of three daily rhythms. Faith, community, mission. Because I think that's manageable. I think that's simple. I think that that would be a step for, for, for most all of us. It would be a, a new step for most all of us. But I think God would profoundly bless it in powerful, powerful ways. And so that's, that's my encouragement. Um, faith, community, and mission. And then take hold of the promise, follow me, and I will, I will turn you into a fisher of men. Follow me, I'll make you become a fisher of men. Follow me, you follow me, your part is to follow me, and then I will make you become a fisher of men. Okay? Now let's just see if there's any questions at this point before we, we wrap up. Oh, okay, good, good question. Um, I think... God powerfully works through churches of five, six, seven thousand people. So just to just to start there, okay, no question about it. And I, I th- especially as in those churches of five or six or seven thousand people, there's home groups. Okay, that's crucial. All right, because again, home the home group setting. Even even in this size of a group, you've got to be part of a home group. You got to be part of a home group. Okay, it's just so vital. So and God calls different people. There's different different gifts. You know, I don't think I'm called to be a pastor of 5,000 people, obviously, okay? But what's in my heart is this. And so God calls different people to be in different kinds of churches. There's different flavors, like you go to Baskin Robbins, and you don't all need to order the same, right? You can order different things, because different. it's all ice cream, okay? That would be my answer. I mean, y- y- you may not be able to imagine how, how you could work in a church of 5,000 people. Well, that's fine, okay? And we're glad you're here. Okay, I'm glad you're called and, and, and wired in that way. Does that make sense? Moms, how do you, how do you, those of you who are in that, because I know many of you are in that exact same situation, what's working? 
Let me just mention one other thing, and, and, and that is maybe just ask Jesus if he has an answer for that for you with your setting. And maybe, maybe link up with some other sisters in your home group and pray together about that. And, and I, Jesus will give you what, 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 what he has for you and what will work for you. He has an answer. So this is, I just love this about the Lord, don't you? He's always got an answer for whatever circumstance or problem we're facing. So he has an answer for you with your circumstances, which are big. And he has an answer for you. And he will give that to you like he's given one to Cindy and to Sean. And, and he will. Okay, now that's all for questions. If you want to email me some or come up afterwards. But I'd like us just to stand up. I want to pray, pray this over us. All the different kinds of things you can be feeling at this point. And, and I just want to center us back in on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because everything flows from him. It's for him. It's through him. It's to him. It's from him. So Lord, I pray, I just want to pray that you would come right now and that you would work, Lord, in my heart and make these things more strong in my heart and in all of our hearts. We see this in your word. Lord, deep down inside, we long to see more people come to know you. We would love to see this city filled with the gospel. Oh, Lord, we long for that. And would you come right now, I pray, and and impart faith to people here, fresh faith in you, and lift burdens of defeat off of people, like false feelings of guilt, lift those off of people. Let there be an impartation of an outpouring of your love, your compassion, your joy, your peace, of what you will do in us and through us. I pray, Jesus, you'd come and you'd pour out faith, pour out your love. I pray for those of us wondering, well, what, what specifically, you know, where can I get time to, to be with Jesus? Or, you know, how can I reach out to somebody who doesn't know you? Lord, would you answer those questions as we seek you and wait on you? Do that for us, Lord. And Jesus, we love you. You have saved us. We are forgiven. We have the heart-filling joy of knowing you personally in our experience. What a treasure you are. Oh, Lord, we want to build each other up in this more, and we want to see lots more people coming into the joy of knowing you. So for the glory of your name, would you do this, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.